Lift up the discouraged, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. The one with his head bowed, O oh God, in shame. Lord, for that shame, give double glory. Father, do a new thing in the midst of your people. Speak to us today, O oh God. Thank you, Almighty God. Let our hearts receive understanding today. In Jesus' name we pray. stand and take our Bible affirmation please glory be to God lift up your Bibles everybody and say with me thus is my Bible it is God's inerrant and unchanging word it is my most valuable earthly possession a lamb unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore listen to it carefully and do it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head by diligent study, store it in my heart, by memorization and meditation, show it in my life, by doing his teachings, and sow it in my world, by being a witness hereafter. I will never be the same, never, 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 in the name of Jesus, for his glory and honor, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Please, you may be seated. As you take your seat, please be kind enough to help me welcome somebody seated beside you. My brother, you're welcome. You're welcome. Amen. Glory be to God. What's the next thing you say? My name is so and so. It doesn't matter whether it's your wife or your husband. <laughs> Amen. This is what I do. Oh, take it serious. This is what I do. Amen. Mention what you do. Glory be to God. Amen. If you need such a business, if you need such a business, I'm available nationwide. Amen. Praise the Lord. You'll be amazed at testimonies I'm hearing by this intro. So I'll keep doing it because it's working. Amen. Praise God. Today we are continuing on the subject of enabling grace. Enabling grace. I am very sure at a time in your life, you probably passed an exam or you have successfully commenced a project that uh, maybe when you started, there were skeptics that wondered if you will ever see be, uh, be able to brace the mark of completion. But lo and behold, in a manner that even you two cannot explain, you got to the end of the road. Not only did you finish it, you finished it so successfully. 
friends, neighbors, family, skeptics all come around to celebrate with you or to see whether it is true that you are actually successful in that project. And here you are presenting or giving a walking tour of the premises of the project, explaining what you do and all those things. And people begin to say, wow, this is awesome. You have done so well. Ah, I rejoice with you. And somebody that probably knew a little bit of when you started or the struggles you had will come and meet you and say, bro, tell me, how did you do it? Is there anything I must know? And you look at him or her and say, wow, it's not me. It is what? It is God. You attribute such successes toward the grace of God working in your life. The grace of God. That thing that you are referring to, that it is not me, it is God, is actually what the Bible describes as the enabling grace. The grace that gives opportunity for something to happen. The grace that makes happen. The grace that gives the knowledge, that attracts the help, that consolidates the direction such that the effort results in a particular desired end, that thing that makes and brings all together to give the result that you desire, the Bible describes it as enabling grace. So when you say it is not me, yes, it's good to be very humble about it. The beautiful thing about humility is that humility is not running yourself down. Humility is esteeming others better, but also recognizing the place of God in your life. Praise the Lord. And so with that in mind, we get to read our text for today, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 to verse 10, and then 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 to 10, and then 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. 1 Timothy chapter 15. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet that is fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Praise the Lord. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and verse 14. It says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace 
of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. The enabling grace. I want to quickly point our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. It says this. Give it to us in the King James Version. In the King James Version. Okay. It says, we then, as workers together with him, we appeal to you. As workers together with him, we have traveled this road. As workers together with him, we have worked in partnership with him. We know how the system runs. We have practical experience in this. As a result of it, in this step or in this assignment you are signing on to or you want to take on to yourself, we appeal to you. We counsel with you. We advise you. We beseech you. We plead with you that look, having come into this place in which you are coming into this partnership, there is something called grace. But some people receive the grace in vain. What does it mean? Very shortly, I'll talk about it. That tells me something automatically. That the fact that I have received grace for a journey does not mean I will conclude the journey. The fact that I've received grace on assignment does not mean that it will end in success. The bulk of it, the grace is constant. The variable is my impute. What is my participatory role in that? If I don't participate or take responsibility for what I'm supposed to do, I am taking the grace of God in vain. And how do I participate in what God is doing? One, my attention must be given to it. My time must be applied to it. My knowledge, my skill, my contacts, my relationship... Everything that will make the process go well from my end, I must apply to it. In applying my intellect, my skill, my everything to it, I must do it subject to the directive of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit wants me to do it. But by all means, I must take part in it. In the earlier service, I gave an illustration. How many of us drive here? You drive. Can I see your hands up? It does. Uh-huh. Okay. You have driven a manual car before, right? Let me see your hands up. Praise God. Most of us today driving, most likely you are driving an automatic car, right? Right? Uh-huh. Who does the driving? Huh? Who does the driving? You do the driving. So what is the difference between the manual drive and the automatic drive? Eh? It's a world of difference. It's a world of difference. When I'm driving the manual from gear one, I know the speed I must get to, isn't it? When it is getting to speed two, either if I refuse to change, the sound of the car will tell me, so I will move it again. And so that's how I'll be going until I get to Ibadan, where I'm going. 
But if I'm driving an automatic car, the system in the vehicle takes over, isn't it? And does the changing of the gear for me. But it is still my responsibility to focus and give direction to the journey, isn't it? The same thing with enabling grace. Even though you are being baptized in grace, even though you are within an environment of grace, life is a product of personal responsibility. Are you with me? No matter how much I love you, I can't go to the toilet for you. No matter how much I love you, I cannot eat for you. You must take responsibility to do what you need to do while God does his own. It is because I am seated to do what I'm supposed to do that it makes it easy for me to experience the facilitation of the automatic system by God. Are you following me? Are you following me? Therefore, enabling grace will not work in an environment that somebody is lazy. It can't work like that. It can't work. But my skills are needed. My time is needed. My attention is needed. And in applying all these things, it must be applied the way the Holy Spirit will want me to apply it. What do I do? What do I do? How did Jesus do it? He's said to be the pattern son. I'll read John chapter 5 verse 17. Then I'll read verse 19 and verse 20 quickly. In the Passion Translation. He says, Jesus answered his critic by saying, Every day my father is at work and I will be too. The King James says, my father walked hitherto I walk. I am walking because I am seeing my father walking. I am not sitting down because my father is not sitting down. The way I release this grace or I tap into this grace in my life is to see what the father is doing and begin to do it. It means that I must be attentive to the father. It means that I must be looking out to see what the Father is doing. Whatever the Father is doing has to be his will for my life. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will look into the book. Bring out what is his as far as my life is concerned. He's not going to reveal to you something about another. It's something about you that he's going to reveal to you. So as it affects me, I see what the Father is doing. I see that my father is walking. He's lifting this. For me to enjoy grace, enabling grace that comes by the Holy Spirit to me, the fact that my father is walking, lifting this, if I come to say I am walking too because my father is walking and I lift this, I am not going to enjoy that grace. It is by doing what the father is doing in my life or indicating in my life at that time that I'm able to enter to enjoy the grace that is available for me at that time. How did Jesus do it? We'll go to verse 19 of that scripture. John chapter 5. He says, so Jesus said, I speak timeless truth to you. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see my father doing. 
So he watches out to see what his father doing. Does it mean that a great while before morning when he gets up or in the night when he's alone in prayers or in his devotion with God, all that he's doing is to try to download the father's blueprint for his life for that day. Could that be what he's doing so that he'll be walking where the father is farming? That is where he wants to farm because that is the only way to get good returns. He says this, I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as his father. The same works as his father. Verse 20. He added another twist to it. Because the father loves his son so much. Let's leave that for a moment. I'll come back to that. John chapter 14 verse 10. He said, don't you believe that the father is living in me? And that I am living in the father even my words are not my own, but come from my father. So he's not only seeing, even he's speaking, he's speaking only what the father is doing. Meaning that he's listening to hear what the father is doing. He says, for he lives in me and performs, does his miracles of power through me. It simply means that on a daily basis, he sees what the father says. He watches out for what the father says. He watches out for what the father says. I mean, to say what the father is saying and to do what the father is doing. He says, it's the father in him that is doing all those miracles. All those miracles. The only way I can come in into experiencing God's enabling grace in my life is that I must get myself to a point in which I am interested in his interest. I'm interested in what he's saying. I'm willing to say the same thing he's saying. I'm interested in what he's doing to be able to do what he's doing. For me to get the enabling grace of God working in my life, I must be able to hear. I must be able to see. I must be able to do what I see him do as it pertains to my life and his circumstance at that time. The question is this, how do we get to that point? We go to verse 20 of John chapter 5. In verse 20 of John chapter 5, he introduced a variable. He said, because the father loves his son. Something else is brought in here. Because the father loves his son. And this son has told us that the father does not love him more than he loves us. The same love the father has for him is the same love the father has for you. But the question is this. The son is watching out to please the father. You and I, are we watching out to please the father? Have we built intimacy with the father to be able to see? Because he said this. He said, he always reveals to me everything that he's about to do. And you will all be amazed when it shows me even greater works than what you have seen so far, it means that as I relate intimately with the Father, I am moved incrementally from one level of glory to the other. From one level of manifestations to the other. When he turned water into wine in Canaan of Galilee, the Bible says it was the beginning of his glory. The next miracle he did was a bigger miracle. A bigger miracle. A bigger miracle. 
from one level of glory to another simply because of intimacy. Hear how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 25 verse 14. Psalm 25 verse 14. He says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And to those that fear him, he will reveal his covenant. Please, can we have the scripture in the Passion Translation? Please make it big for all of us to see. Because it's going to drive the next level of our discussion this morning. Please, can we read together, everybody? There is what? A private place reserved for devoted lovers of Yahweh. It is not for everybody. It is not for the fact that you are a Christian. It's not for everybody. He says there is a private place. It is reserved for what? Lovers of Yahweh. Where they what? They sit near him. And what? Receive the revelation secrets of his promise. Are you building intimacy with him? There is no way you can fully enjoy enabling grace of God in your life without an intimacy. Because God, in the place of intimacy, he is going to whisper secrets to you. Fancy this. They were all seated on the table. All of them eating together. Then the master suddenly drew spanner in the walks. He said, one of you is going to betray me this night. Everybody was surprised. We're all here. How are we going to betray you? This, 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 this. But Peter was the wiser of all. Peter knew that if he should ask the master, like all the other people were asking, he wouldn't get the answer. What did he do? He knew that among them, there is somebody that is very, very close to the master. The Bible says he become, he become to him and maybe elbowed him and said, come, ask him, ask him. I know if you ask him, he will tell you. And when John, the beloved, asked him, the master told him, and I'm very sure he must have told Peter. So between them on that table there, the 13 of them on the table, three people knew who was going to betray the master before the betrayal actually took place as a result of intimacy. John knew by intimacy, by reason of the closeness of Peter to John, Peter too got to know. Intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy is the secret to your hearing. Intimacy is the secret for your seeing. Intimacy is the secret for your being able to say what he has said and you say it boldly. Intimacy is what brings the difference between the ordinary Christian and the Christian who is a lover of God. Intimacy. And God is interested in this intimacy. Let me show us something about intimacy quickly. Revelation chapter 5, King James, from verse 1 to 5. Revelation chapter 5, from verse 1 to 5. If you can embolden it from verse 1, let's read together quickly. All right. He said, this was Apostle John again. He was taken to the throne room. He said, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. A book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. Verse 2. And a strong angel, note that word, a strong angel, that phrase, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? 
Verse 3, can somebody read for me, everybody? One, two, go. And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. It means that as at the time they were still speaking, the book was physically what? Closed. And there was no hope of anybody being able to open the book. And the thing is that he got to know that in that book contains what is going to happen hereafter. The secret of what will befall the sons of men after now. And what was his reaction? Verse 4. Verse 4. He said what? And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. Don't forget it was a strong angel that told him there was nobody that can do it. Are you with me? A strong angel said, nobody can do it. There's no man in heaven, on earth, under the earth that can do it. And as a result of that, the natural sequel was that he began to cry because he was concerned what will happen after. Is this how we're going to end? God, is there no remnant left? And so as he was there crying, don't forget the strong angel was still there too. As far as the strong angel was concerned, the opening of the book is going to be something tomorrow, something in the future, from what he said to him. Do you understand that? Do you see that? It, uh, it is something that has not happened. They don't even know who has the capacity to open it. But let's see the next verse, verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, who is this elder? Can we go to chapter 4? From maybe the last three verses there, chapter 4, the last three verses, verse 9, okay. I'll read from verse 10. From verse 10. Alright. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. He said what? The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying... Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are, and were created. Now, go to chapter 5, verse 5, quickly. Chapter 5. These elders that have been in heaven, don't forget, they are in heaven. The strong angel, too, was in heaven. John, the beloved, was in heaven. But there was something these elders knew that even the strong angel in heaven didn't know. What was the difference? The difference was that the strong angel was going up and down. Meanwhile, the elders were what? They were beholding God, the face of God. They would bow down in worship. Bow down in worship. As a result of intimacy with God, they had information that not everybody in heaven, including the strong angel, had information about. Do you get what I'm talking about? Intimacy with God brings you into the secrets of God. These elders were described in another place as the keepers of the secrets of God. As a result of the fact that they, they come in worship, they come in adoration, they see a lot of things about God, and as a result of their closeness and their intimacy with God, they knew something that had happened, which an ordinary strong angel in the present does not know it has happened. That and they think is going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? The power of intimacy in revealing the secrets of God for you. 
without this intimacy, without this secrets, you'll be crying. Where you're supposed to be jumping and dancing, you'll be crying simply because you don't even know how God speaks to you. Meanwhile, God wants to speak to you. When he looks at you, you don't know what he's reading, what he's asking you to do, what he's not asking to do. Meanwhile, he wants that intimacy developed with you. Now, the strong angel said, and one of the elders said unto me, don't weep. Don't weep. This strong angel thing is an event in the future. But hear what the elders said. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is also a man, is seated in heaven as a man. Are you listening to me? The root of David. He had done what? He hath prevailed to do what? To open the book. To lose the seven seals thereof. He didn't say he would prevail. He said he had what? Prevailed. Showing that is a past tense. Meanwhile, a strong angel in heaven thought is a future tense. Meanwhile, people that were in intimacy with God, they said, we are past that level. Don't weep. We have done what? We are past that level. You need that intimacy with God. In order for you to enjoy the things that have been freely provided for you. Jesus said he wouldn't take a step unless he has seen his father's step. But oftentimes in our lives, when God comes to draw us into intimacy, he doesn't come with a billboard saying intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. No, 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 no. He comes to you where you are at the level where you are. He can present a burning bush situation, something that is an attractive option to get your attention. He can create an environment like Elisha. You won't find this in the Bible. But Elisha, at some time ago, witnessed the ministry of Elijah, the servant of God. At least he was in Israel during the drought. The stories say he had witnessed Elisha perform as a man of God. And he desired, the, he really wanted, there was a strong desire in Elisha. He was from a rich home, but he wanted something to do with Elijah. But he didn't have the means. He didn't have the connection. So after that incident, he went back home to his father's farm. And he was farming. When it was time to pick somebody, that interest that he had had been registered in heaven. The story says God sent Elijah to go and look for Elisha. Their meeting, when he threw his mantle upon him, was the first time that Elijah would see Elisha. And when the mantle came, Elisha understood that it's the longings of his heart that is coming to pass. Beloved of God, God can prepare an attractive option like that. Maybe something you have been expecting, he arranges it to come. At another time, he can also... You are sitting down, maybe with your wife, with your friends. You are just discussing over lunch. Or maybe you just went out to relax together. You are just discussing. Just normal discussion. Then suddenly, one of them just makes a casual statement. He just says something. Something that probably doesn't mean anything to him. But he didn't know that it was God that moved him to say it. And when he said it, you heard it. It registered. But because of the flow of the moment you are in, you drop and you went on your own. Maybe when you are sending away the sons of perdition in your toilet. You know what I'm talking about? The scenario began to play again. Then, of all the things that played in that place, it is the phrase that, that your friend said that begins to haunt you. It begins to come. 
come back, come back, come back. It may not even be that. It could be that maybe at your quiet time you read a scripture and suddenly you caught a revelation from that scripture and something begins to move in your heart. God has a number of options in which he can attract you. It's an invitation to intimacy. Are you listening to me? It's an invitation to intimacy. When he dangles the thing in your presence like this, he comes the first day. He dangles it. You don't respond. He will come again. He will come again. But after a while, if you don't respond, he will leave you. You have just frustrated the grace of God from being manifested. Most of us do it. Why is it that you didn't set the alarm? Every night in the last seven days, you have been waking up at 12.20 every night. Whether you sleep at 9 or you sleep at 12 o'clock, 12.20, you are up. And you ask myself, why am I up, Seth? You get up, you go to the toilet, you drink water, you stretch, you sit down, you get up, you go back again to sleep. Tomorrow again, he comes back 12.20, he wakes you up. Nothing occurs to you that may be, may just be, like Samuel, the voice of God is speaking. It's just that you are not responding. Speak, Lord, for thy servant is hearing. 12.20, the third day, the seventh day, he comes again to wake you. The scientist that you are, you will explain. Maybe my body, my circadian rhythm is adjusting. You know, when I adjust, I get up. On the eighth day, at 12.19, he will come with a concomious dream. You know a concomious dream? The dream that you... It's not the devil, it's God. He just wants to wake you up. And you get up and say, what is that? What is that? What is that? Devil, I bind you. You have started responding. But must you wait to that point before you begin to respond? Because you are afraid of fire. You are a snake. Maybe you will get up. A cockroach was even moving near your leg. And you think it's a snake. You have seen a snake. Uh, it's just God trying to get your attention. But a lot of us are not giving him attention. Because we have not learned the speakings of the spirit. I'll tell you a story. You see, this is a story of me. Many years ago, as a young officer in the bank, and uh, we're all in a general reception forum for everybody. It's not the reception of the office, but it was a general office. You have tables lined up, and there was a central table there in which you can... Uh, pick something there, there are sweets there, there are uh, newspapers there, magazines are there, and so on. On this particular day, it was lunchtime. You know, one of the things in my quiet time in praying, God, do something new in my life. God, uh, this passing entry every now and again. God, this is, I need to do, begin to do big things. It was just a desire in my heart. And I was saying it to God quietly. After a while, I forgot about it. Then on this instance, it was lunchtime for me to go and eat. My other colleagues were going to eat. I just found out that I didn't have appetite for food. So I said I wouldn't go and I sat back. I don't know how I passed that first time. But by the second time, 
Because I have begun to be sensitive to the language of the spirit. I was looking forward to going and eat that second day. But just before lunchtime, the appetite for food disappeared. Uh, I said, something is up. I hope I'm well. I thought my body, everything is okay. And uh, I sat back. Then suddenly inside me, where I sat in the office, what I would not normally do, out of the inner being, I began to sing a song to God. He said, I buy you know that what do you call that humming the song I began to hum the song I began to hum the song then after a while I could not contain humming it I began to sing it at a point I couldn't stay in that office anymore we have a common room in which you can go there eat you have a personal friend whatever so I went there and I sat down I found that I began to sing that song as I sang that song, I found that I began to pray. I prayed just about five minutes to the end of break time. I found that the thing lifted. I was myself again. I went back to work and I sat down. I did my work till I closed that day. The next day, it came again. I knew instantly what to do. I began there, went back to the same place. I repeated the same routine until I, I think about the following week. That I didn't even bother again. When it comes like that, I will just go straight to the toilet, lock up, because there were many toilets, lock up one of them, and just stay there and began to pray. That thing lasted for two to three weeks. I went on and on and on. What was I praying about? I don't know. What is it that when it is time for lunch, something will just overtake me? I don't have an appetite to eat. It's not that I don't want to eat. I would really love to eat, but there is no appetite to eat. But instead... The place of prayer. I began to pray. I did not understand the language of come up hither at that time. But I knew that there was a summons that was taking place. So I naturally responded to it. Because I know that it is God that is at work in me. To create a willingness in me to do of his good pleasure. Whatever I'm praying for. Whosoever I'm praying for it will end for good. So I yielded myself as an instrument of righteousness in the hands of God. Little did I know that I was praying for myself. And so it went on, it went on, it went on. I remember by the third week of that process going on. By this time, I thought my body has adjusted to not eating in the afternoon again. So I left and as I sat down, it was a Tuesday, expecting that that burden of prayer will come again and I'll go and pray. The problem with the spirit of prayer is that when he comes, knocks at you, knocks at you two, three, four times, you don't respond, he will leave you for a season. But when you respond, he takes you from glory to glory. And so, on this particular day, I didn't have a burden to pray. And lo, I was seated, expecting. At times, I would try to whine it from within me. It was not answering. So, I sat back. As I sat back, I discovered my eye was going across the center table. My eye was going across the center table. I was attracted constantly to a particular newspaper. There were other newspapers there. There were magazines there. Why is it that I'm attracted to this newspaper? I'll look at it and take my eye. Come. I'll look at Then, after about three or four times, I just went there, grabbed the newspaper. I discovered it was Guardian newspaper, Guardian of Tuesday. I said, I'm not looking for a job. I'm content with what I'm doing. Why? Because Ghana on Tuesday in the 90s was advertisement day for job, vacancies. 
And so, I just sat down there. I found myself just doing this. Going to, I wasn't looking for any news. The Bible says, it is God that is at work in you. Both to will and to what? To do of his good pleasure. And so, I began to push it. I began to push it. I began to push it. Then I got to the center spread of that newspaper. I saw, it was a features article. They were reporting on a conference that somebody attended. I saw it. Debt conversion program, blah, blah, blah. And I left it. By the time I passed it, three pages after, I found myself coming back to it. I said, what is this guy talking about? No, I'm not interested. I went back again. Again, when I got to three pages after, he brought me back. And I just stayed there. I said, there's something in this thing for me. I began to read. I began to read. By the time I got to the middle of that first page, I found myself looking for my diary. And I began to take notes. Take notes. Something interesting was brewing. But I didn't have an idea what it was. By the time I finished reading, I got some information. One, this writer is a journalist. He was sponsored by an organization to attend that course so that they can come and serialize it in Nigerian newspapers for interested Nigerians to read and understand what the program was going all about. Because it was a new program the federal government in 1998 was going to do. And so they were sensitizing the public. It was him on Tuesday, and the second journalist that was sponsored was another journalist from the Champion newspaper who will be writing on Thursdays. Beloved, I left the office that day and I went to the newspaper stands around. Finally, I was able to get the Guardian for that day at a premium. And then I struck a bargain with the, the vendor that, look, every Tuesday, reserve Guardian on Tuesday, every Thursday, champion newspaper on Thursday for me. What I want to do with it, I, I know. The guy said, it will cost me so much. I said, I will pay you at the end of the month. He said, no, give me first two weeks in advance to show that you are interested. And I gave him and I left. It was a risk I had to take. And when I took that risk, of course, by the time I got to his stand, he had my paper packed. Every Tuesday and Thursday, my papers were packed. And I will come, I will read, I will read. That process lasted for about 14 or 16 weeks. I was buying. I was buying. And when I read like that, I'll remove the relevant section. I bought a file and I'll file it away. Properly attaching my notes for that day to it. And at the end of the day, that was how I stumbled into some other Nigerians that attended the conference and I was able to meet them. Beloved of God, between 1998 and the time I left banking in 2022, it became the major focus of banks. It became the major focus of my career as a banker. It took me away from the park and enabled me to have a niche for myself such that within a short time, I changed jobs about three times. One of the things that took me to the office of one of the richest men in this country was that program. He was interested and he didn't know anybody that could do it. And somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who had access to me and said, oh God, don't worry, by 7 p.m. today, I'll bring a young man that knows about it. When I entered that office and I saw that man, nobody need to tell me that I was before a great man. Are you listening to me? And of course, my life changed. 
Do you see the workings of grace in that place? Beloved of God, God is interested in your good. But are you hearing? Do you, are you building intimacy with him to be able to develop to the point of being able to see what he's saying about your life? To hear what he's saying about your life? To say the same thing he's saying about your life? The strong angel in heaven didn't know an event that had passed. But it was only the secret was with those that were worshippers. Beloved of God, intimacy will release grace, special grace, enabling grace that will put food on your table, that will put food in your spirit, that will give you a stand and a voice among men. Intimacy is not about God only. Intimacy is what God puts in place to make you to prosper in health and even spiritually. Intimacy is God's desire for every child of God. Intimacy is a lifter. Intimacy will bring you quick answers, faster solutions. Where others are crying, you'll get there, you won't cry because you already, you have advanced information about it. You know what to do in that instance. Beloved of God, Jesus could not display power. Jesus could not be the son of God without hearing what the father was saying, seeing what the father was doing, and speaking what the father was speaking. What ushered him to that level was his intimacy with God. Beloved of God, intimacy with God will put money in your pocket. Intimacy with God will do what? We put money in your pocket. Intimacy with God will give you that wife. Intimacy with God will give you that husband. Intimacy with God will start that business for you. We'll show you how to do it. Intimacy with God will lead you to fulfilling the visions that God has placed in your heart that you don't even know how you are going to do it. Bow your heads, let us talk to God. Jesus was a pattern son, but he was closely intimate with the Father. I wish, and that is his desire, that all of us will be intimate with him. Please talk to God where you are. I begin by praying for us. Whether you are on site or online, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you would like to be born again, you would like to receive the life of God into your spirit and become a living being. I'd like to pray for us at this time. You say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to be a child of God. I want to be restored back in my fellowship with God. If you are there, can you just stand? And if you are at home, I want you to get set to pray this prayer with me. If you are here, wherever, wherever you are seated, up or down, just stand quickly. A pastor will come and meet you and minister to you. If you are standing, stand quickly right now. Enabling grace. There is no experience of enabling grace without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to usher you into intimacy. You speak the language of God. You see the pictures that God is drawing. Pray with me now. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe in my heart, oh God, that he died for my sins. He paid the price. I believe in my heart that he was raised for my justification. 
Lord, I know today that he's seated at the right hand of God. Father, I come before you today in the name of Jesus. Receive me as your child today in line with your word in the name of Jesus. If you pray that prayer, you are born again. You are online. Call the numbers on screen. You are on site. Please, the pastor Fidelis, according to the pastor in the gray suit standing, see him. He will talk with you. I want you to pray for yourself today. Lord, I want to know you. I want to hear you. I want to be responsive to the promptings of the Spirit. I want to respond to my burning bush experience. The attractive options you are put, placing before me. I want to be responsive to it. I don't want to be blind or deaf to the promptings of the Spirit. It is in my interest to respond. The key to my success lies in my response appropriately to the Spirit of God. The key to my lifting lies in my intimacy with you. Lord, help me in the name of Jesus. Talk to God. Talk to God. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would desire to come up here. I pray you would desire intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you get tired of the status quo. I pray that you get desperate to know him. I pray, oh God, that you desire to hear. You desire to do. You desire to see. You desire to respond. When it comes to you again, that you will be ready to say, Father, I am here. And you will respond to what he wants you to do. So that that relationship can be built. Let that be your portion in Jesus' name. May the Lord do this for you. As you enter into this week, may this week be blessed for you. The rod of the wicked is not permitted to rest on your lot. It doesn't matter if it's falling like rain, it won't touch you. It will come near you. The pestilence and the noisome pestilence and the destructions that waste, it will come near you. Only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bless you today as a father and I say go, prosper. Okay, the rod of the wicked will not rest upon your Lord. Neither is the son of wickedness allowed to exert over you or to taste of your wine. Go, possess the gates of your enemies in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God.